Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition with your host, Dr. James Flowers. I am so excited, Robin, today that we have one of my absolute favorite people in the world, one of my best friends someone that I adore and love, and I've been looking forward to this for a few months. So, oh, that's hi. awesome. Hi. I'm a little Hello, nervous. Shereen. I'm a nervous interviewing her. I know. I know. She's so pretty. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> how Thanks are you, Shireen? Well, how could I not be okay looking at one of my very best friends in my life and someone who I respect and honor and love? So I'm, I'm great. And Robin, so nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you, too. I have a little bio I'd like to read, if I may. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shireen Jaunty has been a force in the field of chemical dependency for over 31 years. Her credentials include obtaining her LAADC, which is Licensed Advanced Alcohol and Drug Counselor, CRPS, Certified Relapse Prevention Specialist, and her certification as a professional life coach. Shireen joined the Music Cares team in 2004, which is a charitable arm of the Recording Academy, otherwise known as the Grammys. Mm -hmm. She started in the role of an addiction recovery specialist, and with hard work, commitment, and tenacity, she moved up the ranks into the title of Senior Director that she proudly holds today. Shireen manages and facilitates all facets and services that Music Care provides that includes health and human services, addiction recovery assessment, referral and case management. She's a public speaker with a focus on helping women. She facilitates panels and workshops on very top, varied topics that bring education, awareness, prevention, and resources. She oversees seven nationwide Music Care's addiction recovery support groups, along with two sober jams for the music community in Austin, Texas, and Los Angeles, California. Whoa. Wow. How, how do you get through the day? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, is that me? <laughs> that is you. And I've had the pleasure of watching you grow um, and grow at music, grow your career at Music Cares. And, you know, no matter where I am in the United States, when I'm traveling, um, even in London, when I was speaking in London a couple of years ago, people ask about Shireen because everyone knows we're so close. And oh. how is Shireen and what's going on at Music Cares? And oh. she's amazing. And Shireen, you really are a force in our field and you're a leader in our field and you're this amazing mentor to so many women and really other people as well. But your, your life is just uh, an example of how I think we should all live our lives and Aww. yeah so yeah. thank you how did you, you meet um oh did shireen you know right. i don't know how did how did, did you meet i feel like we've known each other since i was one years old but <laughs> well 
I can tell you when I remember. Yeah. Okay. Our connection. Yeah. Right. I believe we may have met once before that you may have told me, but when I remember, you know, you was at one of our music here's fundraisers, the biggest one that we do um, every year. It's always two days before the Grammys called person of person of the year. So yes. And you were there with another friend of yours um, who came and we were in the um, auction room. We're crossing, and there you were. I and remember. You were with Louis. That's right. I was and with Louis Dr. Stanger. To you officially. Oh. Um, yep. yeah, I, felt, I felt that was our official meet, even You're if right. we met before. But and I remember just, you know, looking at you and meeting you, and it was kind of brief. But then very shortly after that, you had invited me to tour um, one of your facilities at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember. Say is that when I came there, um, which was not that long after we had met at the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I don't even know what was that five, six, seven. I don't even yeah. know when that was. A now, long time exactly. ago. But I will say this genuinely from my heart: I fell in love with you the minute mm-hmm. that we connected that that day of that tour, and when we went out to tour out in the. Um, yep in the wilderness you yeah. know just talking and ever since then and um we yeah, sat so you and i literally went and found a corner of the world to yeah. sit in that day and we sat for a few hours and we've been besties ever yeah. since we we have. every now and then i got chills like <sighs> ah, thank you i love you Sorry. and then the night we met i bought a at the auction i bought a melissa etheridge uh guitar that night he loves <laughs> auctions I, I love auctions he does. <laughs> Shereen knows that I always raise my hand <laughs> like me pick me always I've so bought fun. gosh I've bought an Africa trip a, <laughs> that you never auction, went on that I never went on <laughs> uh, I know so many different things but it's such an amazing um, organization Music Cares and I love uh, working with Shereen and Shereen, I want to share a really beautiful quote from you. It's important to find your truth and voice to create change in shifting your world. I love that. Tell me what that means to you. Well, um, yes, very powerful. And even though I do work a lot with women, that really does apply. The more and more that I just connect with people and, and are around people who are willing to be transparent and vulnerable and take a risk, you know, whether it's women or men. I'm just finding more and more and more how we all um, are so so uniquely the same in so many ways as far as just feeling vulnerable, sometimes not good enough, um, are we worthy, um, and most of all, just layers of fear. Yeah. You know, and that even though intellectually we get a lot and understand a lot, emotionally, a lot of times we can't back up what we intellectually know. That's right. And so for me, um, there's just been years and years of me knowing that intellectually I had a voice or what I felt inside, but not having the courage, you know, not having the courage and faith to stand up for myself and use that voice. And part of getting to that point is knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. So doing the work to know, well, what is my worth and what do I deserve? And I think the more that we do the work to know who we are and know our self-worth, the, the stronger we get to be courageous and, and finally use that voice. And so for me, I mean, I'll just uh, roll the dice here. 
<laughs> I'm 61 years old, almost 62. And I say that proudly though, because I remember when I was 30, you know, 60 seemed like it was ancient, right? And it was for me at 30 years old. And I, I never thought like, oh my God, and I got to tell you, I mean, I wish it didn't take so long, but thank God, I feel like I'm finally getting there that through all the trials and lessons and experiences of life, being a mother, being a daughter, been married twice, now divorced twice, you know, friendships, jobs, relationships. I mean, right, we all can go down the list of, of the lessons and experiences. Um, I finally feel like in these last really 10 years of my life, I mean, it's always been a build. Yep. But the last solid 10 years of my life have been, wow, how do I want to end these last few years of my life, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, and what am I willing to do? Because there were clearly um, patterns in doing the work that, you know, and not to keep blaming other people either. Right. Um, but it was about seeing what, what is my part, what are my patterns, where do I, what do I need to see in me mm -hmm. in order to create shift and change? So with that statement, it comes down to, so what I need to do is who, who am I and what do I stand for? And if I don't know exactly who I am, then find out so I can start using that voice yeah. to finally be true to myself, which hopefully will help others. And you and I get to talk about that, those deep things uh, all the time on the phone. And and I that's the way she lives her life. It's mm -hmm. just authentic and it's just real. And she is who she is. And you look amazing. I cannot believe you're 61 years old. I thought you were in your 40s. I swear to God, I did. I thought you was younger than us. You know, uh, I'm going to ask you, since you said you were 61 years old and you look so amazing, and I'm looking at you right now and I see your mother. And your mother, when she was younger, tell everyone who your mother is. And I wish you had a photo of her to show. I wish you had the Indian photo handy. Uh but uh, you can hold it up to the camera. But okay. uh, I love your mother so much. How is she, number one? Tell everybody who she is and a little bit about her life. Thank you. My mom, well, my mom is first of all my mom. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I know James is talking about, she's had a very fulfilling, interesting life. Um, she was born in Poland and then they migrated out here to the States went to school for acting in New York at the, the School of Fame and then they went to, to um, actually Peru, her family and they were living in Peru for a while and there was a, she was doing a play in Peru and this Hollywood producer just happened to be there in Peru watching my mom's play Thank and goodness he, and he brought her whole entire family to Hollywood and made her this star, um, this aspiring star, so she's done quite a few movies and sitcoms and TV shows when she was younger and obviously a lot of it before I was born and then the first maybe five, five, six years of when I was little, but you know, she's, she's, yeah, she's stunningly, stunningly beautiful She is. Um, and just had this life of, of privilege and, and, um, living a dream that many could only hope for. Um, so, you know, she's also very spiritual, religious. She was always on a path. She chose to mm -hmm. leave um, acting. Um, she's done many things like work with Head Start. She was the head of Head Start program. And then she ended up being special assistant to Mayor Tom Bradley here in Los Angeles for over 10 years, um, working with the aging. And so, you know, she, now she's writing, she's 87 years old. She's writing her second book. Wow, oh, awesome. Years old. She sits at her computer in there and, she lives with me. She's in the other yep. room. 
So yeah, she's a very interesting person, very educated, um, yeah, very worldly, and yeah, I mean, but, but she's but amazing. I think that's where you being like us. Yeah, you know? is that where you get your fortitude from, Shireen, and just your oomph and get up and go and confidence? Oh, you are so kind. You know, um, you know, I would like to give her some credit there, but let me just be honest <laughs> and have my voice. Yes. And say, you know, um, I think part of the reason why I work with women specifically, but again, men too. I mean, sometimes I do have men come up to me after I've spoken, depending on what type of meeting it is. And, the, and, and I'll never expect it to be a man that says, thank you so much. What you shared is what I feel or what I've done or what I've been through. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. So, but you know, my mom being an actress, I will tell you, um, many children of, of actors or people in entertainment, you know, grow up feeling less than uh -huh. because they have this big, you know, um, personality of a parent that gets all this attention. And, you know, on the outside, she was um, perfect, you know, um, and on the inside, as many of us know, but at home is home and it's a different story. And so I had a lot of low self-worth, um, not only with my mom and my, my father. And so it was even though they loved me and said good things, you know, it, it was my own journey mm -hmm. within myself, you know, yeah. as many of us do have. And so quite frankly, and because of so many choices I've made that were certainly not choices my mom would have suggested for yeah. me <laughs> or either one of my parents, um, I really feel lucky that I just, obviously there's threads of my mother and threads of whoever has been in my life. It's been a part of my life that has have been instilled in me, but I truly will say this out loud right now that I believe that whoever is searching and seeking will find. Mm -hmm. And if we're not searching and we're not seeking, then, you know, the answers can be there and we never find them or, you know, they could be right in front of us. Yeah. And I was just at a point in my life, um, where I was searching and seeking and a lot of who I believe I am has been I found on my own you know Absolutely. and on my own for meeting people like you and the work that we're doing together and with other people and just you know um so yeah if anything I feel like I've helped my family have a voice. yes you have and Absolutely. a lot of my family has been about the outside stuff and yeah you know I, and I, I really wish we had a picture of your beautiful ballerina daughter. <laughs> uh, I would have known. I will make you know, yeah. I should have thought of it ahead of time. I will have to show everybody. You have, you have such a beautiful family. Shireen, tell us a little bit about what brought you on your through your road to recovery and living a life in recovery. and Because you lived this amazing, authentic life. And a lot of that I know you also credit to a recovery program. So do you mind telling us a little bit about that? No, and especially since you already just divulged that information, I'll just keep rolling. Uh, thank you very that. much. <laughs> <laughs> you told me it was okay. And it is okay, and you know that I'm just teasing yeah. you. Um, and I'm so happy and grateful that I can be open about that. Mm -hmm. You know, because a lot of people, um, for very uh, many reasons that we understand cannot be open and it's not always a safe place to be open about our past or where we come from. You know, um, I very, again, just kind of going through the work, 
have seen historically, I've always had an addictive personality and behavior. That was way before I ever even had a drink or a drug. I mean, I remember just at five years old, you know, just finding what would be soothing, you know, what soothes me. And of course, a lot of that for me was sugar and food, right? That was easy. And then just whatever, whatever. I mean, um, toys, you know, whatever it was. And when we talk about progressive, um, I remember at five, you know, there were things that, that, that filled me then. And then as I got older, it, it shifted some of the things that, that would fill my um, soul. Mm-hmm. So I thought at the time, but I did end up getting into drugs, you know, very early, like at 12 years old, I started drinking and um, experimenting and, and, it, and very rapidly um, it happened for me. Um, and I basically used a, a lot of drugs and a lot of drinking until I got sober. So um, I got sober at 30 years old. So mm-hmm. I, I presently today have 31 years sober. Congratulations. There's um, nothing short of a miracle. Of course, I go back to joking, right? Because I still think I'm 31. So uh-huh. how can I have 31 years sober? <laughs> but, you know, part of, part of, I think, feeling like I'm 31 is the work that I've done, you know, and that my spirit is young, you know? And, Absolutely. And I do. I feel young inside and I feel excited about life and even when times are hard and certainly we all know that um for all of us for all of us this has been such a challenging year um let alone months and years of most of our lives but you know it's been it's been hard um and and i'm so grateful for for the recovery that i have and i'm so grateful i gotta tell you i know people with 30 years 20 years 25 years 17 whatever too but with a lot of time who have decided to drink or who start taking, you know, prescription meds and now they're addicted again because of the chaos and because yeah. of the stress and because of the depression and the fear going on. Yeah. And so what, what made me really decide to answer your question um, in getting sober is I always knew intuitively. Intuitively, I knew that that wasn't the answer, uh-huh. but it was just my road for a long time. And, um, and I did get pregnant during the time that I was using and I did decide to have my daughter. And so um, at the time I got sober, she was six. And I got to tell you, you know, it was a big, big, big part of it mm-hmm. was being a mother. Huge part of it was being a mother and looking at my life and um, is this the direction I want to go and, and just the people I was surrounding myself with and the situations I was in and got myself into some pretty hairy situations, you know, and even though I was lucky and and worked, still worked, um, and for some pretty great places, um, I definitely saw my life spiraling out. And it was just that kind of that moment where they say, you know, I'd hit so many various bottoms and kept trying to do it my way until I realized, you know, you really have to change things. And I did and I have, and I continue to do so and never there, always, always working on the next level of of growing and absolutely congratulations on 31 years it's amazing and again you're such an example to so many people every day that are seeking recovery and that are new in recovery and even old timers right you know you were talking about stress and all the chaos of this year you know it's been such a crazy year you work in the music industry the recording industry um covid has hit it obviously very very hard this year um, how are you coping at work and how has Music Cares been affected 
by COVID and your and your musicians around the world, really? Um, how have they been affected and how does all this tie together and how did it affect all of your human conditions, as we say? Oh my gosh, <laughs> thank you. Well, that's, um, first of all, when COVID first hit, my gosh, I think like all of us, doesn't matter who we are, it was just, it was surreal. It was like, mm -hmm. is this even really happening? Um, it was so hard to believe. And it hit us so quickly, you know, just out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, being in the music industry, um, I feel so deeply for so many people in the music industry because so many of our musicians, they tour. So big part of their money is obviously concerts and festivals and especially in the summer just all the festivals that come up nationwide and you know so everybody was affected um and it came to a halt completely and still is basically i mean now little by little right as, as yeah. things happen we're all learning how to be creative right now there's virtual this and virtual that um just like we're doing mm -hmm. um but it's it's definitely a, a work in progress for everybody just trying to find balance and not still knowing what the future holds but when it first happened, we were just skyrocketed into, um, I mean, I'll speak for me, but, but as a company, I feel so proud, mm -hmm. so proud to work for Music Cares, which is on the, under the umbrella of the Recording Academy, which, which is what's on the Grammy Awards telecast. They have just taken care of us. They've been able to just love us, be, protect us, you know, mm -hmm. have the ability, we all work pretty much remotely from home right now. We still do, we have, um, you know, they may look at in the new year, uh, depending on what happens, maybe staggering people back in, but just protecting us, working at home, creating space that we can do that. At first it was upside down, just trying to like, you know, sure. work it all out. And um, so I'll tell you though, we were so fortunate. I'd never, I've been at Music Cares now going on 17 years, which that in yeah. itself is like, what? Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing. And just to give you an idea of what this last year looked like and how people stepped up, you know, um, in the music community, we typically, um, our last fiscal year, we helped close to 8,000 people for the entire year, which is a pretty wow. good number. Right. 8,000 yeah. people for the whole entire year. So it was 7,800 people. Yep. In the first four weeks, four to six weeks of COVID in March, we helped over 17,000. Oh my gosh, Shereen. 17,000 people compared to 7,800 in the whole year. So that just gives you an idea of we, um, and we had people, uh, so many companies and people step in and contribute and donate money to us on, on top of money we had, on top of some money that was matched. We were able to raise close to $20 million um, to help and give, give grants out to the entire music community. Wow. And so we, we just had an influx of yeah. people, um, you know, sure. applying. And, and, and it just felt so good. But let me tell you, we'd never worked so hard. We were all just on the verge of, of a breakdown ourselves because we were literally working. James, I don't know if you remember. I mean, I, I, think I do. I cried sometimes like, you know, I didn't know how we could get through the day or yep. we'd be up and just how can we make this happen? And people were, you know, and then we have our own trauma. So we're trying to be there for, for other people, but right. then we're still trying to stabilize ourselves and what's going on. And so it was, 
it was an interesting time, but I love working for Music Cares and, you know, and I really say that deeply and the company, not just Music Cares, but the Grammys, because the Grammys, you know, take care of us. And anyway, you just asked what it was like and, you know, they just, they care for us. They touch base with us. They make sure that like, do we need help? They send us little gift cards for lunch on Grubhub, you know, every now and then, or we have check-ins. So yeah, I mean, they've been, so little by little, I think musicians are trying to find their way, but it definitely is um, a time in life where we're all redefining how yeah. we do what we do. Do we continue to do what we do? You know, and it's another opportunity to just go deeper again. Yeah. 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 We all love music and we have our favorite performers, mm-hmm. right? But sadly, musicians are afflicted, afflicted, afflicted sorry, mm-hmm. with substance use disorder. So... We've lost a lot of brilliant musicians to drugs and alcohol over the years. And um, can you tell us why it's so prevalent in the music industry and talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, um, first of all, as a musician, you're almost always around alcohol and drugs. Always. Many other people can choose not to be, or they go, you know, they, they have boundaries, um, or it's easier to have those boundaries. In that world, I mean, again, and especially back right in the 80s, you know, rock and roll and, you know, all that. And like the the um, the whole stigma was like to be cool and have fun, you know, party, drink, music, rock and roll. And, um, and so that's that life, you know, and that life. So wherever you go, whether it was festivals, whether it's bars, you know, bars, um, mm-hmm. clubs, I mean, it's just infiltrated with alcohol and always drugs are in the background. So as a musician, you're always around that. Mm-hmm. Also, as a musician, you have, I'll call them your yes people. Mm-hmm. They always say yes and they never say no, you know. And they're, they're either scared because they want to stay on the payroll or they don't want to get you mad or so they don't have the courage or they have their own fear, even if they know that you're hurting yourself and even if they want to have a voice. And mm-hmm. we're talking about that voice again. Sure. To say, what are you doing? You're, you're killing yourself. But if the musician gets mad and says, oh, well then, you know, forget you, you're, you're out of here. So a lot of people out of fear or greed or whatever it is yeah. that, that prevent them from having a voice um say no and they will bring them whatever they want sometimes the musician doesn't even ask for it they readily have people just offering them free drugs free this free that all the time to become their friend to become in their circle also what i found is because their life traveling the way they do and a lot of times they're up all night or their you know concerts are late so then they start getting introduced to pills, to you know the speed yep. and the amphetamines to get them up, and then the downers to bring them down, and, yeah. and then just whatever comes with that. I mean, that's just on the prescription side of things, but then just with your basic street drugs, you know, mm-hmm. and underground stuff that that's readily available. So I just think the pressure to also be on point, perform, travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. I could talk about it. that's a subject in itself, but. I think just the pressures, the various pressures of being an entertainment mm-hmm. period um, and what you are constantly around. Barraged with it. People, yeah. you know, and even when people do choose to get help, James, um, it's so much harder for them, even though they have the same access to meetings or things like because I could choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to go back to working and doing this, or I'm not going to go to a restaurant today, or I'm not going to go to a bar. Their life is still that. That's so right. It, there's, 
still having to go back to that, have yeah. that in their face daily. Yeah. And something that you get to do all the time, other than, uh, of course, this year with COVID, but uh, you've invited me to go many, many times, and that's uh, to concerts and to uh, music venues and to festivals and to Coachella. And uh, Shireen really runs, uh, is it the Sober Room? What do you, uh, the... The Safe Harbor Safe Room. Safe Harbor yeah. Room. I'm sorry. Call it Safe Harbor. Yeah, the oh, Safe Harbor okay. Room. And I didn't realize this, but it, uh, even at concerts and venues and and music festivals, there's a Safe Harbor Room. And and we only have a few minutes left. I can't believe it's already gone this fast. But oh, yeah. but Shereen, would you tell everyone about what you do in the Safe Harbor Room? What it is, and and it's I can't stress it how important it is to musicians and their staff. Absolutely, James. Thank you. And I got to say, I'm so happy that you've been able to experience that. So you know what I'm about to say is true. And, and I'm so happy you've done this with me. And I, I lo I've always loved having you with Thank me. You. Um, it's my favorite thing. It's really my favorite thing yeah. that I get to do. And probably because I am in recovery myself, so I get it. But yes, we've had the gift and privilege of at all the major music festivals. I'm always backstage um, at the Grammy Awards show, uh, Latin Grammys country music or anyway, any of them, we will have a private space that is available for all the um, rehearsal days leading up to the day of show to where artists, crew, staff, anybody who is a part of the show who may be in recovery or needing recovery can come and we hold meetings, 12 step meetings for them while they're working, you know, 24 hours around the clock most of the time these people and to tell you, and James has been there, so, you know, he experienced it, but like the people that come in literally are so grateful and full of tears, whether they have some long-term sobriety and just it's a place to exhale and breathe, mm -hmm. um, or people who have walked by and saw the sign on the door, you know, and they're like, what's that? And they're like, oh my God. And they weren't sober, but they knew they needed to be. And then yep. they come back a year later and they have a year sober because of our safe harbor room. That's and right. So it's just it's a safety net. It's a safety net for people who need a safe place to go. And even at these shows, I mean, people are popping pills and drinking. And, yep. you know, I mean, look, it's it's true. You know, I mean, and then a lot of people aren't. But then after hours, after they're done, there's parties. And especially, you know, there's just nonstop stuff. And you, you uh, it's a place to just connect and know that you're not alone, you know. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. What, uh, what advice would you give... Uh, to someone that's listening to this show today about uh, being brave enough to seek help and seek a life of recovery, whether they're musicians or anyone in general. Oh my gosh. Well, I can just only, it's not even just my experience. The gift of, of having a better life. And I don't want to just say 12 step because I don't believe 12 step is the only way. You know, I think we all have to find our way. It's been one of the most successful ways, I'll say. And so one of the gifts of getting um, sober myself has been to give it back, mm -hmm. you know, and to help others. And there's been no greater gift than when I've had the courage to, whether it's get sober, um, I'll just say to, to have the courage to leave a relationship that's not healthy for you or to make changes with diet and food, like whatever it is that brings you sadness or that's not good for you to have the courage and all i can say is that we can all be very comfortable in what's not good for us because we're used to comfort and we're used to you know familiarity even if it's not good yep 
Mm-hmm. But like anything in life, and I'll just use the COVID right now experience for all of us, even just starting Zoom. I was so resistant to Zoom. So many people like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. And you know, yes, do I miss the human touch? Do I want to hug you right now? Yes, I do. But how happy am I that I get to see you and meet Robin? And at mm-hmm. least we're without Zoom, I wouldn't even have that. And without Zoom, if we were in COVID, we wouldn't even have connection. Absolutely. Right? So everything that we do, we adapt to if we allow ourselves to. And so for people that um, may need help, whether it's with um, drugs and alcohol or whatever it is, if you're in an abusive relationship or whatever, that we're scared. We're scared because we don't know what's on the other side. What's on the other side? Just give me the crystal ball. And all I can share is that there's magic on the other side, but you mm-hmm. gotta do your work, just like we do our work to get the drink, to get the drug, to, to yep. be loved, you know, um, do the work. And if you do the work to get on the other side and let people like us help yeah. you, mm-hmm. you will experience a life. Uh, you have to be patient. Sometimes it comes quickly, sometimes slowly. There's this thing that will always, always materialize. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you hang in there. And I'll just close with this, that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And that's not just in the negative. Also, if you keep doing what you do, you keep getting what you get. And that's not just in a negative term, that's in a positive. So there's many times where you start doing things positive and you think, well, how come things aren't changing? And then you want to go back to the negative. No, you have to hang in there and you have to keep doing the positive. And one day you're going to go, oh my God, and something changes and shifts and you're so grateful. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that, but like yeah, just of course nothing it does. comes easy. And yeah. I can just say that nothing good comes out of something, you know, usually bad, except for making us want to change. There you right. go. But, yeah. Shireen, thank you so much. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, I know how busy you are. Even before we started this show, you were returning emails while we were just chatting. And uh, I've heard your emails go off a little bit today. I'd be remiss if I didn't say hello to Zoe. Zoe's not behind you right now, but she walked by a few minutes ago. Oh, there she is. Hey, Zoe. Yeah, I love that dog. Um, and and Shireen also is a huge fan uh, of, of animals and a rescuer. Mm-hmm. And I think Zoe is a rescue. Yes, and she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, my God. Yeah. Go ahead. No. How, I mean, like, do I have a minute? Do I have yes, you, whatever you, you need. You, you have whatever you need about Zoe. Well, real quickly, I'll just end with this little story, or I'll try to. There's so many great stories, You're back. right? I have my, my Zoe, who's a pit bull, by the way, and I say pit bull. Um, and she was going to be killed the day after I had rescued her. So if I didn't rescue her, they were going to put her down. Oh. And, you know, pit bulls have a bad rap, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're fighting dogs. They're killers and all this stuff and so a lot of people don't want pit bulls because they're scared and she was she was so broken um yeah. and i used her kind of like us and when i say us whoever struggles that you know if we've had a tough life we're judged you know people are judged unfairly and um and people have, i remember people saying she will never change meaning me you know she will never change mm-hmm. just like a dog never change humans can never change and so i got zoe and i decided i saw this look in her eyes and there were so many other choices it could have been so much uh, easier and, and for sure. I had no idea what I was getting with her because um, there was no history. And But she was broken for sure. Yeah. And all I can say to you is that every day I just took a risk to put my face in her face. And I didn't know if she was going to bite my head off or what. <laughs> but I just loved her. Yeah. And loved her and loved her and loved her and loved her. Oh. And today I've had her for almost eight years. And she's, you know, amazing. 
She is amazing. She still has her issues. Uh-huh. Uh, we all can have issues. And I have little Tucker who's running around somewhere. He's a little mini pin. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just end with this. that I hope somebody can hear this. If you're struggling, whether it's recovery, if you're struggling with relationships, again, all the things we've talked about, the one thing that I have really learned this year, if nothing else, is can I quiet my mind enough? And can I pause to believe in something different and to recondition myself to be open to something different. We are programmed as human beings to be attracted to certain people, like certain things, and it becomes familiar in a program. I need to just own and tell you guys, I did not like little dogs at all. <laughs> did not like them, they annoyed me. I did not want one. Well, Zoe, I really wanted her to have a partner. And really quickly, He's very dog aggressive and any dog I tried, which was the kind of dog I wanted, which was a big dog or another pit bull, she just would not take to. Mm-hmm. One day I'm coming back from New York. In fact, James, you were with me yes. in New York. I'm coming back on this trip and my dog walker says, you're not going to believe it. I found a dog for Zoe and I couldn't <laughs> be happier. And I was ecstatic. I remember. And then I said, do you have a picture? And he, she shows me a picture and says, little dog. And mm-hmm. everything about this little dog I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, I can't have that dog. Fast forward because we've got to end. I decided to keep him because it wasn't, first of all, about me. It was about Zoe. But even if it was mm-hmm. about me, if it's a relationship, say somebody comes into your life, like, no, that's not who I'm attracted to. Mm-hmm. But there's something, you know, there's a force that brings people, experiences, things to us today because I kept this little dog and allowed my heart to open. I could not love him more. And now I love all little dogs. Yep. And now I love everything about him I didn't love. And you know, that, that the story, the message in that story is that this can happen to all of us in anything. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. And, ourselves and they are best friends. They're mm. best friends. Okay. Oh my Aww. God. Like, that's best, best, best. That's amazing. The sweetest thing ever. Thank you, Jay. You know that that's <laughs> Shereen, exactly. Now, if someone yeah. wants to reach you or Music Cares, um, how do they contact you? Absolutely. So, Music Cares, so we have an office in uh, New York, Nashville, and here in LA. Um, so, you can go on www.musiccares.org. Org. Um, and that's our website and all our regions are there and contact numbers. But of course, anybody can reach out to me directly. Um, and my phone number at Music Cares, which comes right into my home is 310-581-1259. Um, so yes, just, you know, call me, uh, again, my, my, my email, um, is shereen.janti at grammy.com and that's g-r-a-m-m-y you're probably going to get some single guys reaching out (laughs) i was thinking about that when you said this is my personal line in my home yeah like oh boy she's going to get some calls i I learned i learned that one knows work line but um yeah of course and and let me just say this too you know a lot of people think that music cares is just for musicians let me be clear, what I love about music here is for anybody that works in the music industry. You can be a, literally a stagehand, an engineer, a, road, a, a tour bus driver. It's good to know. If, if, you know, if, if you have, there is certain criteria, but it's very lax, uh, laxed. Yeah. And very liberal and lenient. Um, we really want to help where we can. 
That's awesome. So, um, and I have I have met many of the the folks that Music Cares has helped. I've seen so many of their videos. They save lives every single day. And Shireen, you're part of that and saving those lives and getting people help all over the country. And thank James, you. I need to thank you personally, you and your team. I mean, listen, besides me loving you and you being one of my dearest, dearest friends, this is this is no joke. You have been so supportive to Music Cares. And if it wasn't because of you and you working with us, um, I've always loved being able to send our clients to you. And thank you for the love and support and kindness and just true um, professional treatment, you know, you Get have back. given. I love working with you guys. Online. Thank you. Um, that means the world to me. You that allow us to do what we do because we raise the money we do it, but because we help so many people, obviously, you know, really a labor of love, people working with us. We have to negotiate rates that are much yep. less than um, what's normal in, in order to help the people that we do. And just thank you for being one of those. We're all in this yeah. together. Thank you. Yeah. Love you, Shereen, so much. I'll probably call you later today. Please do. <laughs> I will. If someone wants to reach J Flowers Health Institute, www.jflowershealth.com. Yes. Or they can call our office line at 713-783-6655. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you, Robin. Thanks, Bye, Shireen. Shireen. Love you. Have a great holiday. Love you. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.